0: Dad, great to have you back on Talking Church once again. Try to get you here every month as your travel schedule allows. The last episode was really well-received and talking about moral failures, restoration, conflict. A lot of people said that that resonated with them very much. So thank you for your help on that one. My pleasure. I want to talk about another topic today that's somewhat similar to that, almost like a part two continuation on that. Um, You have done... Over these past several months several messages that you've called culture clash talking about the difference between good and evil protecting our children a lot of different things that are hot topics right in our world today and what has stuck out to me is how many people in the congregation on the weekends reaching out even other pastors that have observed it have said your dad just has such a way to talk about these difficult topics in such a loving way, but truthful way. And right. you're not shy to talk about the truth, but it's also not pointing fingers at people, really trying to highlight our love for them, being winsome, but not watered down. And so talking about all those things, talking about some difficult things with staff transitions and some quick tips and all sorts of stuff. But that's yeah. that's the, the nature of this conversation. So even your first thoughts on how you've been able to do that in a way that is edifying, growing our church, but still providing meat in the messages. Well, I think about um, that I have to talk about these things. Uh,
1: Some people avoid them and they think, you know what, I don't wanna talk about it. They'll just know, they know who we are, they know what we believe. And even though culture or whatever we're facing is going, we're just not gonna talk about it. And. I have decided to take the course of, I've got to talk about it. And I think I shared it in this last weekend's message about Hillary where she's like, I didn't know that I right. wasn't supposed to send my husband porn like till I became a Christian. And like, I didn't know. And you're, and she's like innocent. And like when I preached on uh wasted, remember, I, and yeah. I want to bring that series back. I need to do it again. Um, uh, I had somebody come up like, I thought if you weren't the designated driver, you could get drunk. And you're just like, these people don't know. right? They really don't know. So number one, I, I decided I'm going to talk about the difficult things, but I will. I'm not going to lie. It, it is like gut-wrenching. Like, are people going to leave? Are they going to quit? Uh, or I think about this probably more so, are the people that disagree with me going to become hateful or attack us or... You know worse you know because i think it's so interesting we've been protested by whisper o baptist once you know and we're like okay they're like crazy crazy right and then we've been protested by lgbtq so it's just like right. okay i i'm getting it right left but you think i gotta speak the truth and so probably the biggest thing that I keep thinking about is I've got to speak the truth in love. That's what Ephesians talks about. You have to speak the truth in love. So I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it in love. And I'm going to do it in a way, excuse me, that is going to try to win people over and say, I really believe this way is best, which let me just chase that for a moment. I can't stand when pastors go to hard topics and they say, "Um, hang on, they say, if I was God, I would do it differently. I'm not God, but I, I would love to not have to tell you this. And I mean, I would love to suggest that I wish God would have done it this way. Or I remember once I was listening to a guy and I'm trying not to say names, but I was listening to one guy preach. We were visiting his church and he's like, I know God says you can't commit adultery and have sex before marriage. I know, and... Uh, but we got to trust him. And I, I wish I could change the rules for you. I'm just like, I was infuriated because I was like, you're not speaking the truth in love. You're actually speaking the truth with a disdain and a disrespect for what the truth says. Well, you're
0: positioning yourself to be more loving than God.
1: Right, right. I, I love you more than God. And God just tells you to do this. And None of us really know why, but I guess if he created Earth, he gets to tell us. You know what I mean? It's like, really. And so I'm going to speak the truth in love. I'm not going to presume that I know better. If God says it, then it's right. And so I'm going to try to tell you the truth and I'm going to do it in love. And that means i don't pull back but it also means i don't grind you i think about it well i think it's about a statement that the holy spirit said to me once um i need you to pastor like you parent and i was like what does that mean and i remember the holy spirit whispering like you're a better parent than you are pastor and you tell your kids the truth you're una, unafraid, You're not afraid of them, you tell it to them, you want them to turn out right. And so because of that, you shape and mold them. When they're out of order, you say, hey, stop, that's out of order. When it's good, you say, that's awesome. And when they are uncertain, you're like, here's how I do that better, or let me help you with that. And he's like, do that with your church. Instead of being afraid to tell them the things or beating them up with things, because I've seen it both ways, people avoid it or they beat up the church or the world with it. Pastor like your parent, because you really love your kids and you want them to turn out right. So that helped me to face the tough topics, speaking
0: the truth in love and pastoring like I parent. So obviously in parenting, when me or Connor acts up and there's something that you can address it's a little bit easier because you have a specific instance when you're pastoring a congregation in that way there's a whole lot of issues there's a whole lot of things how do you know what to speak on how do you know what is a relevant thing because i mean there's 66 books in the bible there's all sorts of commands that god gives us how do you know this is the right topic to talk about at this time
1: well i always say like, if it's in the bible it's going to happen to us, like, okay. People are like, I can't believe I was betrayed. I'm like, okay, Jesus was betrayed, Moses was betrayed. It happened, okay, you get it? David was hunted down by King Saul. I mean, he's doing nothing wrong. So if it's in the Bible, it's gonna happen. You say, well, I can't believe this person abandoned me. Okay, Demas has forsaken Paul. Uh, Judas walks away from Jesus. Do you understand? It's like, so I, I realize like, if it's in the Bible, it's there for a reason and it's happening all over the place. Like I just got back from another country and in that country, they were having a split three ways. It was jealousy. And, and I'm like, that's exactly like America, which is exactly like Germany, which is exactly like China. I mean, the same things are happening. People love their kids. People have marriage issues. People uh, have money issues. Uh, you just start seeing that it's happening over and over again. And so unless you're talking about something that was obscure, you know, like, don't sacrifice your children in the fire. Like, you know, that's Old Testament. That's like so obscure. That was a group that was doing that. Um, As long as you don't go obscure, the same things are going to hit everybody. So that's how I realized, like, I know how I could talk, it's going to hit us. Now, then the other thing is, usually the congregation, a couple of people will be bold enough to say, hey, could you talk about this? We're facing this at work, and I don't know how to handle that. Or, hey, and you'll start putting pieces together. Interestingly enough, the Holy Spirit knows what's going on, and you'll start feeling things, and then you'll preach on it, and then you'll notice, like, oh, they did, they did, they did, they did. Like we all did around the same time because yeah. it's happening all around us. And then if you're staying well-read, you know what's going on. I mean, you you can see what's happening. Uh, I'm all shocked. This is, I'll chase a rabbit for a second, but I'm all shocked when I talk to some of our younger staff, I'll say like, did you see what the UN did? And they're like, no, no, I didn't, no clue. You were there. Did you see what happened to the teacher? Like just recently, uh, a teacher got fired for not covering up the pronouns and lying to the parents. And she said, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to cover up the pronouns that their kids want to go by and lying to the parents if the kid I'm not doing it And she got fired and and so you just start paying attention and it's it's out there and you'll see it in the paper. you'll see it you know you just got to look for it and you'll see it in the media, you'll see it in your church, you'll notice the counseling sessions that you're doing. And it's the same. And speaking of how much it's the same, when I used to do marriage counseling, I used to predict it. Like couples would come in and I go, all right, you're having trouble with communication. You have money issues. You have an unfulfilled sex life and you're really struggling in your marriage. And they're like, how did you know? And I'm like, because the couple that was here before you had those exact same problems, maybe not in that order, but say, you know, and you just start realizing it repeats over and over again.
0: Right, it's like when we were talking with Dave Ramsey, asking how he's been able to do this for so many years, because people keep doing the same things over and over again. They keep right. making dumb decisions, that it's not gonna go away. But how do you prioritize, like, of all those things, like, for example, t- taking these last few weekends, talking about some of the things that are happening in our state, what are, there's a lot of laws that are being passed in our state. There's a lot of things that happen that, that conflict with our faith, but you don't talk about every single one of those. Right. What, what rises to your priority list to say this has to be addressed from the pulpit versus just being something that we maybe disagree with in our voting. Yeah. Cause
1: I've, I've said it's in our book, like the Bible, Bible is our book and it's our rule and guide. And so we're consulting that and reading and uh, you know, that's our guide. Okay. And so, if it's in our book and it's going on right now, I'm, I'm saying, do I need to talk about this? Does it affect just a few people? Is it the hot issue? Like um, taking care of the poor is in our book, right? We're supposed to be benevolent, but that has been going on forever. Matter of fact, Jesus even said, the poor you will have with you always. Right. So that's an always issue that a church should be ministering in, but maybe it doesn't make the forefront because it's an always issue. But then there are certain things that become a right now issue all of a sudden. And, and in the past, abortion wasn't always, like it was always legal, you know? And then it became a right now issue when the Supreme Court said that it was done wrong, which it was done wrong, um, but our nation is probably going to vote for it, but it will be done yeah, right that, for has, the wrong. Has
0: that surprised you? I think that was something, um that we were surprised by in in elections, and again, the the focus is on your preaching here, but I think we've talked about how we were surprised at how much people fought for that, and we thought more Christians would rise up and say, now that that abortion's on the ballot, now we're going to stand up and now we're going to do this. We kind of saw the opposite in the midterms where more people— Want abortion than what we initially thought,
1: yeah, and I, I elections are so fickle, and just right. a few people getting fired up about an issue can change it, sure. um but no, I was the thing that shocked me was that it became a right now issue, and instead of the church celebrating, let's let's use that, for instance, I was on a thread with a bunch of mega church pastors, and I said, "What are you going to do this week? Roe v. Wade was just overturned. We are going to lay low. We are not going to spike the ball. we people know what we believe. we are to lay low. and I'm like, seriously, one of the largest things is going to change in our country. And you don't want to say anything, you know, and somebody else side texted me and was like, you know, Hey, thanks for being bold. I can't believe how quiet everybody is. And everybody believed the same thing. But they were like, Ugh. and so we talked about it. And then I said, and now we're going to raise $100,000 and we're going to put our money where our mouth is. If you clapped when I said abortion has been repealed, now let's put our money where our mouth is. And we raised over a $100,000. And people were like, we should have done that too. So it it's in our book. It was an always, but it became a right now. Right. And so I'm looking at what are the right nows? Well, the right now was legislation was pending for... um transgender refuge state. And you look at the whole world, the whole world, Christian, non-Christian, everybody er, putting the brakes on it. Read another article today about it saying the rest of the world
0: is shutting down clinics, pausing with minors, saying stop, stop, stop. And for, for those that are wondering what we're talking about who are not a part of Minnesota, um, we've talked about this a little bit before. But it's happening all over no, in, in blue states. I think Washington and others yep. that just did it. But It's a ba- blue-red divide. Basically, it's saying if your laws of your state are very restrictive towards you know transitioning, uh, as they call it, gender-affirming care, uh, you can come to Minnesota and actually get refuge from those laws. Right. And if your parent from the other state is not affirming of this, they can actually, the state can like temporarily take, take custody, custody. Yeah. of your of your child. And so I think that's something where. People in our church are starting to ask us questions to where it's no longer about the property taxes of your city. Oh yeah, because you don't civics. see me talking yeah, about yeah.
1: property tax or nonprofit status, which I still think we probably would have to talk about that of why there's value in a church being nonprofit. Right. Um, but I'm not. I'm not out there talking about treaties with Mexico and uh, you know uh, benefits for union workers. I'm not doing that. That's not in our book. Okay. Right. But the things that are in our book, I'm talking about. And making sure that we're bringing them up, and so. Um, but what I was saddened by is Christians even were like, "No, God's good with this," and I, I just was shocked. Like, really? What verse or instance in history do you have to point me to? Because I don't find a verse or an instant in instance in history or the life of Jesus that says what you say, and I'm shocked at what you're saying. So, do,
0: do you think that? I mean, the two thousand years of church tradition, right? has had a lot of similar beliefs. Of course, there was the Reformation that was all about the the power of the church, not giving the Bible to the people. You know there's been there's been movements around. But the actual orthodoxy and theology of a lot of these positions in the church hasn't really changed very much. And all of a sudden, the past past two thousand, there is now a ton of different tradition orthodoxy. Do you think that that's always been the case and we just didn't know about it? Mm-hmm. Or do you really think that the devil is completely scrambling the minds of people and changing everyone's traditions?
1: I think that it's it's not just the devil. Like the devil in Genesis says, did God really say, and it's like a one-on-one with the devil. Yeah. And now it's like, It's not a one-on-one with the devil it's like the devil and every major network and every you know i'm just saying and and culture and all this And, and so you're getting inundated the other thing is i think churches stop preaching about the tough things or what they believe or even how to tell like i did the other day how to tell good from evil Like, I think churches just stopped and it became a social gospel. Um, It became a chaplain Jesus that helps the poor and comforts you on your worst day versus the one you align your life to. Like the Bible talks about if you love God, you'll obey his commands. And we stopped doing that. And I think people are afraid that people are gonna quit. And which that has happened to us. I mean, remember I preached on uh, fornication and adultery and I said, you're not supposed to do that. Like, it's in the book. You're not supposed to do that. And we had a significant family quit our church because they're like, no, we have a family member doing that. And now you told them they're wrong. You shouldn't do that. Why you yeah, make, you, why said you said make them feel so bad?
0: If they're living together and they're, you know, that that's wrong, right? And I, I said,
1: think. they should separate and get married and right. we'll officiate your, and by separate, we tell everybody that's living together, separate. And even if it means you have to move in with somebody from the church, like we'll accommodate, we'll help you so that you can show that you believe that marriage truly was a a covenant union. It wasn't just a contract that you took it serious, that you wanted to give your spouse the gift of, of refraining from sexual intimacy for the time that you heard it until you got married and you show discipline, and you stop the enemy from attacking you. And so I preach that, and people quit. Right. So I think the church stopped preaching about the tough things and even doctrine, and it became social, good, anything goes, don't want to offend you. And, and so then you look at culture now where they're saying, yeah, Jesus is okay with that. Jesus is like whoever you want to make him to be. That's how people are treating him, and he's, he's not – chaplain uncle jesus he's king of kings and lord of lords and you align with his life and his teachings and what he says right so um going back to the thing on the kids why did i do that now though that was legislation right now and stuff that we could make a difference it was input time we talk about that on staff like is it input time or has the decision been made it was input time so i'm like it's input time and let me chase that for a second. People say like, how, how come you want people to get involved in politics? Because that's the country we live in. If we lived in China and I was saying, revolt against the government, you know, overthrow, you know, Xi, you know, that's not going anywhere. Like, but I, we live in a country that says, go out and vote, express yourself, rally people to believe with you and vote with you. That's the country we live in. We get to do that. So it was input time to do that. But also um, I just felt the boldness of like, we're not backing down on this. Mm -hmm. So, and then this whole thing started on speaking the truth into love. I think about this when I'm doing that though. I could easily throw red meat to the crowd and make all the people like, yeah. But- I really am trying to reinforce the beliefs that people that are with me, I'm trying to strengthen the people that are losing a little bit of resolve and say, no, really, this is what we believe. Hold on to what you believe. It'll be worth it. I'm trying to help people that didn't know hear the truth. And then I'm trying to help people that completely disagree with us. And I'm trying to have them see an argument that makes sense from Facts from sources from the Bible. And I don't just say, well, the B I B L E, that's the book for me. You know, yes, that's my ruling guide, but somebody that doesn't believe what we believe needs to see, okay, that a psychologist says if you expose kids to strong sexual images when they're young, it creates a strong memory. It gets in there and out of fear, guilt, shame, curiosity, they will dwell on that continually and that's gonna have an effect on them adversely. So somebody that disagrees with me is like, hmm, okay, that was a secular thing. And then I might, I'm I'm trying to use the whole spectrum to speak the truth in love, back it up with sources and show how the Bible makes sense.
0: Right, we were at a round table the other day and you were sharing on some of this uh, to the room and some other pastors were sharing how they felt that we don't well we don't want to be f- more like a Pharisee or we don't want to be like a religious leader that's pointing at people. We want to love people and have that conversation more individually. Um, what would you say to those who would maybe be critical that to to speaking as bold as you've been and saying you're pointing that finger? And again, I know you're you're talking about how you're trying to to win those people, but do you believe there's there's a way where you can not talk about this and just do it individually or do you think we're past that point? I think we're way past
1: it. And I'll I'll give you this like take a a show like The View. Okay? Whoopi Goldberg and all those ladies on there. Do you watch The View a lot or? No, but okay. I see the clips. <laughs> and I know that ladies watch it. Right. Okay? They're preaching every day. Mm. Every day. And you take any podcast, it's like every day or every week and they're not missing it you take the culture and the media and it they're not they're not afraid to preach
0: and do it and but it's because their their view no pun intended uh is in the majority or the popular view to where they're not going to get attacked for it right. right yeah
1: because christians have become really nice on not standing up for what they believe in. It's kind of like, well, I believe it, but I don't want to stand up for it. And so, you know, I'm going to not say anything. And so they know they won't get attacked. Um, They won't get boycotted. I mean, uh, um, the beer, Bud Light, is that oh, yeah, yeah. They're getting boycotted like crazy, but usually the boycotts don't work. Yeah, it's and you know, yeah. everyone's like boycott Disney, except for my family. We're yeah. gonna sneak there. You know, <laughs> yeah. my kids really want to go. You well, know, we've
0: been boycotting Bud Light for a long time. I have been, so. <laughs> my whole life.
1: I've been boycotting them, <laughs> so it has nothing to do. It has to do with I don't approve of drunkenness, right? right. You know, and you got to live between abstinence and moderation, and for me, abstinence has been the easy choice, but. No, so I people are not afraid. Like we, I, it's interesting. People used to be afraid to share what they believe. People used used to be afraid to say that they're spirit filled. People like now. I'm like, yeah, I am. I'm spirit filled. I got the power. Uh, I, I I I'm i for this. Yeah, uh, I I I've actually been trying to work up things that are like, like in your face. Like I really (laughs) have. Explain that because that on the surface sounds combative, right? Okay, let me talk about this. I've got a thought on that. There's the politician, there's the, the perpetrator, and then there's the innocent crowd. I'm gonna treat them all different. The politician has the power to change the law and make your life good or bad. I'm gonna speak right to them. I'm not gonna be ashamed. I'm gonna tell them what I believe. And I'm gonna, you know, show the strength of our constituency. That's how you deal with politicians. And I even look at like how in the Bible people dealt with people in political power. They need to hear it straight. Nathan says to David, you are the one that did this. Uh Samuel says to Saul, you have lost your kingdom. Um, God says to Moses, you have lost your temper and you're out. Um Jesus says, you tell Herod that fox. And then when they're demanding to Jesus, dance for us, Jesus, dance, give me. He's like, I'm not answering you. I'm not playing your game. I'm above you, you know, which probably infuriated them. John the Baptist calls out and says, you cannot sleep. You cannot marry your brother's wife, you know, adultery. Like you look at how they handled authority. You handle authority one way, and then the perpetrators, the people that are actually doing the evil, like the example was like a pimp and a prostitute. The pimp is evil and he's the perpetrator. And a lot of churches have ministry in red light districts or to prostitutes saying you're loved. they buy them flowers. They let them know there's hope. They try to see if they want to get out, but they don't go to the pimp and buy them like, hey, here's a new car. We wanted to bless you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, we right. just thought you, you just want to tell you we love you. You know, you say to him like, "What you're doing is evil. Yeah, what you're doing is wrong. Repent." But you love on um, the the masses, and you let them know that they're believing a lie. There's a way to change. The perpetrator, you get in their face, and same thing with the politician. And I, I that's what, that's how I see it is you treat them differently, and and you speak out to these groups, but you're not afraid, right? You're not afraid.
0: During your message where you talked about protecting the children at the end of it on the recording day that people won't see on the YouTube video, but you had a moment afterwards that you started crying and were overwhelmed by really the weight of the conversation. Can you describe what God was speaking to you, what you were feeling in that moment?
1: Yeah it was a, it was an intercessory wailing. Like it was wailing. I mean, you said I was crying. I was wailing, Like I was like, I've not cried like that in years. I mean, I can't even remember. And then to cry in front of our whole staff and everybody, I like I was wailing. Like it was a, a, a grief and an intercession. It was, it was, I feel sad for these children that are being put in these situations. I feel burdened for these parents that need to have the strength to stand up. I feel ashamed at our political leaders that are gonna cause so much hurt and damage and pain. I feel like saddened for our nation. Like most people don't travel outside the nation as much as I do, okay? I just got back from Thailand, which is why my voice is a little dry. I feel like flying for 20 hours, yesterday made my voice a little dry but we're getting through this um they're like what is wrong with your nation boys are boys and girls are girls and you know they're like why are your political leaders doing this like they they just couldn't believe it they they were just shocked when we were in Tanzania what is wrong who would ever vote for a politician that's for abortion i'm like well there's whole chunks of christians that Vote for politicians that are for abortion. And they're like, What? I mean, they're looking at America like, Have you lost your mind? And so it was a grief for our nation. It was a grief for the parents. It was a grief for the kids. It was a grief and a sadness that I feel like I'm escaping. Like, I feel like I've got a target on me a little bit now because I've been more vocal, but I'm 57. And they're probably like, we're not worried about him. We're worried about the guys that are following and the men and women that are following him. Are they gonna bow up because they need to get in line. And then I look at grandchildren and the little kids in our church. And I think, what's gonna happen? Like, it just, it was like a million thoughts in my mind. And in my mind, I even saw like, like how Jewish people have been like persecuted and they have communities. And it was just like, if we don't get revival, what's going to happen to this nation? And it was just a grieving and an intercession and a, a pain that I had not felt in the longest time.
0: It was a powerful moment. And us as a staff got to share that with you again. Not It wasn't planned, but right. I, I think the, the tension that maybe a lot of people out there who are pastors, who are teachers, um, they feel the tension of, I want to speak out towards the, the the analogy that you use, towards the leaders, towards the people in power. But I'm afraid that when I speak out against those people, that the victim is going to hear me, that I'm speaking at them and angry at them. And I think that's the tension that a lot of Christians live in, is exactly what you're talking about. We are trying to communicate to the victim, but if we're bold, the, the fear that our message is going to be misunderstood or grabbed a hold of by the leaders and see it will they, be and they're gonna to say to the victims look at how much they hate you well look that's at- the
1: scary thing with deep fakes and AI <laughs> right. and I'm just saying yeah. and clips like our video team they said to me once we could make you look like a cult leader right, if right. we edit the clips wrong yeah. you know like I think I said something today that uh, even in this podcast that if you edit it wrong, it could be crazy. Yeah, and by the way, anything. there was a guy that did that on one of my tweets the other day. He took my tweet and crossed out words. Like I was like, protect the children. And he made it like, seem like despicable. Like he just blacked out words on my mm. tweet and made what I said, you know, I blocked them. Easy,
0: <laughs> Insta block, <laughs> you know. Um, but I lost my thought on Insta block. Uh, just talking about the how we're not, uh, pointing our finger
1: at the victim. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, here's the thing that I've said. I want people when they have the moment and there's a moment coming for everybody to say, Pastor Rob told me the truth. I do feel empty. Sin does not fulfill you. It is like drinking salt water. You get more thirsty. The more you get it, the more thirsty you get. It, 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 it leads to destruction. The Bible's true. The Bible says when sin is fully conceived, it leads to death, okay? So they're they're gonna get there. The, The alcoholic that is staring at the bottle that is losing everything, I want them to know Pastor Rob spoke the truth to them and they remember the message and they can find a way out. The kid whose parents transitioned them and he turns 30 and goes, what did they do to me? And goes, Pastor Rob spoke the truth the person that regrets after having multiple abortions saying, they told me the truth. They, they didn't yell at me for doing this, but they told me the truth. I, I just want them to say like, I told the truth and I want God to say, you stood up to the word in season and out of season. When it was easy to be a Christian in America and when it was hard, you stood up. And so I firmly believe in what the Bible says is true. So I'm not going to back down. But I want him to also say that I wasn't mean. I wasn't mean about it. You know, it's kind of a spanking thing. Like, this is gonna hurt me more than it's gonna hurt you. And when my dad
0: said that, I was like, liar.
1: (laughs) And then when I had to discipline you and your brother, I was like,
0: Oh, yeah. and, And I think it's a reminder, though, of that. We're not leading a political movement we're not right. leading anything except for trying to build the church that Jesus is going to come back for that we are going to spend eternity with him if we follow his the narrow path right, right. and i think it's sometimes when you elevate the conversation higher to say we are not here to raise disciples for ourselves we're here to raise disciples to to expand his kingdom and i think that reminder can can shake us out at times of even what's happening in our country because I believe that what is happening in the American church is probably good for the American church, but it's probably very bad for the global church. And what I mean from that is the 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 amount of resourcing and and um, wealth and all this stuff giving that we do the rest of the world. If the American church starts to shrink and implode on itself, um, it it's going to affect the global church. But maybe this is the wake-up call a lot of Americans needed to realize you're not on the narrow road. You're on the road that's easy. You're playing the games. You're going through the motion. So I'm hopeful that this can wake us up, although it's scary, and that neither of those things have to happen. Obviously, we know that the church isn't going anywhere all around the world. We're even seeing it grow. That's the thing. The
1: church is never going to disappear. And people have said, why are you so upset about this? I'm like, well, because it's— it's more enjoyable to serve the Lord and not be persecuted. It is more enjoyable to serve the Lord and not be mocked. It's more enjoyable to not have teachers in your church fired for standing up for their faith or people losing their jobs or you know, kids in the youth group being tormented because you know they, they are here. Or like we had a guy that coached uh, high school football and they said, nope, you go to River Valley, you can't, we don't want you as a coach. I mean, that's very real. Right. I mean, I, I have strong suspicions that some of the places that don't let us rent, it's because of what we stand for. Right. And, and how do I know that? Like once we sent out a letter to churches in a community, we wanted to start a campus and we said, hey, can we rent your place for an evening service? And we had like half the churches emailed back saying, we would never rent to a church like yours. These are churches. Churches. Yeah. So I was like, if the churches did that, I mean, they're like, we, your traditional marriage, you're this, you're that, you're terrible. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So I I, I grieve that we're losing the, the thing we've taken advantage of so much, which is allowing our freedom to worship, to expand, to proselytize, to spread this to the world to be a sender of millions of dollars I love that we get to do that so you say well what happens if the church is persecuted well we won't be sending millions and we won't have that joy in that but we'll still love Jesus and we'll probably know him closer than we would in the other ways so church is not going anywhere right I'm not down about I'm not upset about that I'm more upset and saddened by like what we have been able to do what we've might be able to do right. less of,
0: and, and even that division you talk about within the church of that there there are churches that are not united that are so so fractured in the things that they believe to where almost their our church and another church would be unrecognizable to each other in the the statement of beliefs or the practice sure. that they live, and I think that's one of the most disappointing things. But uh, we, we don't have time to go into into more. We've already talked about a lot. And really, I, I mean, I've seen you do this throughout the years and, and you, don't, you don't want to, to have to put a target. You don't want to do this, but I think that there is a responsibility. And I remember uh, there was a time when I was praying, talking about leading in, on a college campus, and God said to me, your fear of misleading people cannot be set aside so much that you allow them to be misled. And I think that is something that has resonated with me and something, attention, I believe all pastors who are listening to have to live in is we never want to say, I don't want to mislead people to become, you know, the angry person or to hate the the sinner or to point their finger at those who are wrong. And, you know, when, when we have a, a log in our own eye, but in the same way, we as shepherds cannot just allow the lion and the wolf come into, you know, our, our farm, so to speak, and take care of that. You, any, any final thought with that perspective and message just for people who maybe are living in that tension to say, I'm afraid, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be labeled the one who hates, but I also don't want to lead people down the wrong road. Yeah. I mean,
1: if we're hating people and they're feeling that they're hated, we're doing it really wrong. Like, again, the church that protested us and those people are out there screaming at it, yeah, I mean, they're just out there with signs and they're hating us. They're not winning anybody. We're not doing that. And what's interesting is that's how the world paints us out to be. Like we're chasing down people. Like we're not chasing down anybody right now. Like we're just preaching what we believe and you don't even have to show up. You don't even have to listen. You can block us. You know, they can do that. So but we're afraid of being labeled that way. And I think there's a, 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 we're, we're too afraid in our mind of being labeled like that. And we should say it in a way that speaks the truth in love. And I think people are more upset now that we don't share what we believe because, you know, we say you don't have to believe what we believe to belong, you know, and you know, now people are like, wait, I started to belong to you. I became friends with everybody. Now I found out, I don't believe anything you believe. I don't even like you guys. You know, what in the world? And you're hoping that you could say, but you liked us before you knew what we believed, you know? But people are more like, tell us what you believe. Tell us why. And I think people are looking for an answer. And to the pastors that are afraid to speak on different issues, don't force your way. Just because one person does it, don't force it. But um, if you're feeling that gnawing there, go ahead, preach it. And there's been times where I've had to write things in my notes and write, don't back down, say this word for word, because you're going to want to soft pedal it. Have you ever done that with somebody like you're doing a a review for somebody and you want to say like, you're really late and you need to show up. And if you don't, there's going to be further discipline. And then you say, if you could just show up on time, that'd be a little better. That was you most, most the
0: first f- part of your ministry journey. It's true. Yeah, I, I
1: had all these things in <laughs> writing, or when I was in the shower, I was super bold. Hey, look in the mirror. You're like, you're not
0: doing a good job. And then I'd get
1: there. You know, if we could, hopefully. So it's just doing it in love and 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 getting feedback. I, I guess you could get feedback for somebody. Like, hey, did that come off to red meat? Was there enough support there? Um, did you feel
0: loved through that? Or... You know, yeah, and, and we're not perfect. And no. Jesus is the only one who was, and we just have to be as as best as we can to share that message. And you'd love Jesus to say, like He said about John the Baptist, "There's no one greater than Him." But uh, that's not the call that we have. Our call is to say, "Who is God made me to be? What is the voice I have in this church?" Maybe it's not to be the social media pastor. Maybe it's not to be the you know the person that gets all the accolades and recognition online. But it is to say, this is the congregation that God has asked me to lead, and I'm going to lead them. So,
1: yep, pastor like your parent. It's good. It's a good unless you're a bad parent. <laughs> if you're a bad parent,
0: <laughs> well,
1: parent like your pastor. We'll uh, save that one for another one. <laughs> and uh, thanks,
0: as always, for for diving deep and being vulnerable and sharing this. I know it's going to help a lot of people.